All right, we're back on Buckets of Books for our last episode, and we're talking about books we've finished recently or started reading recently. Yeah, so I'm reading a book right now that is so good. Um, I've not really been able to put it down, which is kind of surprising, I guess, because it's like Victorian literature, but we Mm -hmm. tend to like that stuff. Um, It's called North and South. I kind of forget the author's name. It might be Elizabeth Gaskill, but she's actually, she was Charlotte Bronte's biographer. Um, And she wrote her own novel, which is kind of like Jane Eyre, honestly, but it has more of like a social cause behind it. It's like the industrial revolution is happening in England. And like, imagine if Mr. Rochester were like a factory owner who whose workers were going on strike and um, like tearing down his house and stuff. So it's like good. It's like Victorian communist literature. So it's set. It's set now with Victorian language, or it's set like in the Victorian era. It was. It's. Um. It was written in the Victorian oh, era. Oh. Oh. Got it. Got it. Yeah, I guess that was kind of confusing because it is Charlotte Bronte's biographer, but she, like, actually knew Charlotte Bronte. They were friends. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I haven't heard of it at all, Um, but it does sound like something we would like. Yeah, I heard of it because there is a Netflix adaptation. Um, I don't know if it's made on from Netflix, but it's on Netflix, Um, and I saw it years ago and like really loved it and but only watched it once and then I um forgot all about it and then found out that there that it was a book and it was based you know written at the time in Victorian England and I was like I have to read that and luckily I've forgotten everything that happens in the Netflix show so that's good you know I'd also recommend the show but the book is really good too and so obviously do that first I'd say uh, that sounds really good. I don't, even if I know it's an adaptation, like, that I liked, it usually, like, I don't feel like reading it because I feel like I know what happens. Um. Yeah. But that's Yeah, I'm like really glad that I've now. forgotten. I mean, I know, it, like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a romantic thing. You kind of know who is right. going to end up with who, but, um, I forgot all the finer points of the plot. And it's cool because... You know, Jane Eyre is a masterpiece, um, and it's not, like, to that level, I'd say. But it's, like, I know a lot of people criticize these books that I think I've even said on here that, like, they call it the everybody gets a husband genre. Uh Um, And so this is, like, it has the same feel and was written around the same time, but it's um, pretty political and um, it talks so much about workers' rights and things like that. So it's, like, romance, but you get your politics and your important stuff in, too. It's our favorite when the romance is, like, the main plot, but also not the main plot. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of a, you know, a hidden gem. North and South would recommend. That sounds really good. Um, I just finished, like, this morning, I finished reading the newest Sally Rooney, Beautiful World, Where Are You? Oh, Um, tell me about it. Both of my parents had read it, and so I was, like, next in line. And it was really, really, really good. Like, one of probably, like, top ten books that I've read. Whoa! Mainly because I like the writing a lot, and it's, like, a lot of what I try to do when I'm writing. But also it just, like, 
don't know. I liked it more than normal people, I think. And I don't really remember normal people, and I want to go back and reread that. Um, but it's four people, so two couples. And it's, like, her usual thing where they're just, like, living their lives. But this one is more focused on, like, their romance relation. I guess the other ones are, too. But, like, I still wouldn't call it a romance, even though it's all focused on their relationships. But I really, really liked it. Um... So I would definitely recommend it. It's, like, even more poetic than her other two, I think. And it, like, it just feels... The characters are very real, and they're just very... It's, like, just the writing is just so, so beautiful. And I really liked Normal People, and I everyone was talking about how wonderful the writing was, but in this one, like, I really see, like, how wonderful the writing was. Um... That is good to hear. I definitely want to read that now. Um, what do you think about it made it so much better than normal people? Um, just like a higher quality writing in general? I don't know. I mean, I do want to reread normal people because now I feel like I missed writing somehow in that one. But mm-hmm. the characters are more likable in this one. So there's that. And or not necessarily more likable, but just, like, their relationships are less, like, difficult, and it's still very Mm -hmm. difficult, and their lives are, like, they're, them trying to figure out their relationships are difficult, but it's not so much, you don't, they, like, I don't have to work to enjoy their relationship as much, and I feel like in normal people, it's, like, it's, like, I cringe when I'm reading parts of that, and this one, it's, like, it's not like that. They're, like, looking... This, the blurb I thought was really cheesy. It's, like, they try to find, like, where the beautiful... Or beauty is in the world. But it really is, like, about that. And it's focused on this friendship of the two female characters. And, like, just them being, like, best friends across, like, many miles. And, yeah. That's interesting because... I feel like a criticism I've heard of Sally Rooney, I've only read Normal People, so I can't say if I agree, is that, like, sometimes it feels like the characters are just recycled versions of each other. Did you feel like it was kind of, like, the same dynamic or the same characters that you've seen before with her? Um, one of the couples was, like, childhood friends. So, like, there is that similarity, but it's, like... It takes place over basically a year, so it's, like, just a close look into it, some of this, like, spreading relationship. I don't... It didn't feel like, oh, that's Connell, or like, oh, that's Marion to me when I was reading it. It honestly felt very much like Sally Rooney speaking, especially because they were, like, a couple chapters would have be, like, emails and first perspective, and that felt very, like, that was Sally Rooney's, like, ideas, not necessarily the characters. Um, but I didn't feel that it was, like, just recycled, even though it is, like, my friends kept asking me to explain it. I was like, uh, just, like, people, just people and their relationships. Yeah, that makes sense, and that feels typical of her. I think it sounds like I would like it maybe more than normal people, too, because even though I think I overall would say that I liked the two main characters and I overall liked their relationship. It's just like, they're so frustrating. It's kind of like (laughs) hard to like, like you said it. I don't know. They were frustrating in a way that wasn't identifiable 
I mean, like, you couldn't yeah. identify with it, or I couldn't. It was like, um, like when you're watching a horror movie, and it feels, like, so obvious, the mistakes that yeah. the protagonist is gonna make, like, don't go into that basement. It felt like that, like, why aren't you communicating? Or, like, why are you being so mean to her in this way, you know? Um, so that sounds refreshing to me after normal people. <laughs> Yeah, it's not, like, a refreshing book, exactly, but it is (laughs) a much easier... They're, like, they still have, like, trouble communicating, and that's, like, a lot of what the book is about, but it's not, like... I feel like the characters are never, like, so... They don't, like, mess up exactly, like, whereas in normal people, it's, like, there's so... There's so many things where I want to scream at the book, and in this, it didn't feel like that as much, even though, like, there were a couple times like many times actually I would like close the book and like shake it around or whatever just because it was like (laughs) such like that little segment was so beautiful except so I loved the book a lot but then the point of the book is that or point of what I wanted to say was that it has so it like there's this thing that happens at the end and then right after that there are two emails like I said before like Alice to Eileen. Also, one of the characters' names is Alice, which is fun. But it's Alice to Eileen, and then the next one is Eileen to Alice. And so, and it's 18 months in the future, and it also talks about being in lockdown during the pandemic in those um, emails. So it's, like, happening, like, now. Um, And I don't want to spoil anything, but it felt, it was very, like, here's, like, a nice little bow on top of this story. And because the the chapter before it, it had just ended like in the normal way. It was the normal writing. It wasn't an email. And this was an email like explaining what's happening 18 months in the future. And I like I really like kind of hated that because it felt like an epilogue to me, which it didn't need because so much of the book was about being like very open ended with their relationships and um, just like them not being book characters, them being, like, regular people. Sorry, my dog is going crazy. But I don't know. I did not like the epilogue, and it kind of ruined the ending for me, which is sad because... And it wasn't called an epilogue, but it felt like that to me. Um, So I kind of wish I had, like, stopped reading those two chapters. But... Yeah. Yeah. No, I know the feeling. Like, and I think I even felt that way with normal people because it felt like this kind of dynamic that of these two people like they want to be together but can never make it work it seems like sally rooney didn't want them to just end up together like she thought that would be too happy or something and so she kind of like threw in this last minute conflict like oh like i guess we'll kind of not know if they can make it work or not and that felt to me like tying a bow on it in a way that i didn't like Yeah, this one, there is one line where it's, like, she whispers something to him that only he can hear, which is, like, very open-ended, obviously. But, like, I think that's better than the, what they, what happened. I want you to read it so, like, you can see what I'm talking about. But it was just, I, I feel, okay, so epilogues in general I usually like because it's, like, it's very satisfying to get to the epilogue and have it, like, be there for you. But I also think that, and we've talked about prologues before, but also epilogues, I feel like, are almost as unnecessary as prologues. 
we've come very naturally upon this topic we were planning to talk about. (laughs) Um, I guess I'm kind of torn because I think most of the time, like, the genre of epilogue that I'm most familiar with is when we go into the future. Right. um, And you kind of get to see, like, where are they now? And sometimes I think that that is kind of necessary. Um, I don't always think it needs to be its own, like, separated thing. But I think other kinds of epilogues do feel kind of pointless. But I feel like I usually get more meaning out of an epilogue than a prologue. Yeah, I agree. Epilogues also... I like the epilogue when it's, like, a continuation of the story. It's more just, like, a jump forward in time. Like, what keeps coming to my mind is Shadow and Bone, where, like, at the end of the trilogy, it's, like, forward, like, after they've defeated the evil, like, evil guy, and, like, everyone, the good guys win and whatever, and it, like, jumps forward, and it's, like, that's satisfying, even though I didn't love how it ended. Like, that was, it was just part of the book, just forward in time. But this didn't feel like part of the book. Like, it felt like a jump forward that wouldn't have been in the book. Like, it just didn't fit with the rest of the book, which I didn't like. Hmm. The epilogue that first comes to mind for me is at the end of Harry Potter. Um, You know, where, like, that epilogue isn't really serving anything in the books itself. Like, there's no plot, like really all it tells you overall is just that everything is fine like Voldemort doesn't come back or anything um but it feels just like a gift to fans like it would have been a dissatisfying ending otherwise and that's what I think that an epilogue can give just like a, a more sense of satisfaction even if it isn't like completely necessary yeah, I think with that specifically, too, like, seven books over the course of however many years, like, definitely feels like a gift to fans, and also saying, like, these are the relationships, like, this is how it ends, like, very finalized. Um, I mean, with that, like, specifically, my parents and I always talk about, like, they met when they were 11, and then they married the people that they met when they were 11, and, like, yeah. it's the only people who exist in the world. Um, but that definitely feels more like a gift for fans, and just anyone reading it, and I liked that, because it was, like, good, it was, like, everything turns out okay after everything is bad, um, but I've, that's more rare than, like, like, a yay, everything is perfect epilogue, I feel like is different from most epilogues. Yeah, I kind of, like, compare that, I talked about Cold Mountain a a few weeks ago, and that had an epilogue that was a similar, like, jump into the future, But it's like the book ended kind of on the climax Mm -hmm. and which feels weird to me. And then the the epilogue felt just like, oh, let me like wrap this up really fast because we ended on the climax. And it didn't feel like I don't care what's happening nine years from now or whatever it is. I just wanted like a more satisfying end to the actual book. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think I definitely don't always want that kind of ending like I want the book to just finish and I want the book to give me that ending I don't want the epilogue to give me an ending like yeah I don't want it to be like and then here's how everything is resolved a year in the future like I and I'm fine with books being left like a little question mark at the end but I would rather have that than like a 
here's what happened, by the way. It's kind of a hard line because you want it to feel normal. You don't want it to feel like you're throwing a bow on it. But also, like, I've read a tons of books where I'm just like, wait, that's the end, you know? Yeah, I do think, I think that... that you should just, authors should just, like, it's, ha- it's a tall order, but should, you know, come up with a satisfying ending that doesn't require an epilogue, if at all possible. <laughs> and then if you, you do that, then better. maybe you can add an epilogue. You should just write this ending better. It's what we've decided. Yeah, just do, do it better, authors of the world, <laughs> is my advice. <laughs> I think that writing an epilogue would be fun, though, and very satisfying for someone who's, like, worked so hard on creating this world and then, like, getting to decide, like, okay, like, it's over now. I kind of debated this with my manuscript because the final scene is, like, further in the future but only like six months in the future or less um and so I kind of wondered like should this be an epilogue because it's a whole different season and things are a little bit different but I ultimately decided not to because it's like still part of the ending and if you had just taken away that scene I think it would it would be lacking and the scene before wasn't a satisfying enough ending Yeah, I think it's interesting, like, in this, it wasn't called an epilogue, it was just a continuation of the chapters, but it really felt like an epilogue, so I think it's interesting, like, if you can call something an epilogue and, like, take it away and have the book still be fine without it, like, I think it's kind of pointless, but, like, with your case, it seems like you need that scene, so it's not really an epilogue, like, it's part of the book, which I like, even if it's a jump forward way in the future, even though six months isn't really that far. But I really like that test that you just invented. <laughs> if you can take alone the epilogue, take away the epilogue, and it's still a satisfying ending, then you're good. But you shouldn't have to have an epilogue in order to make the story feel like it ended. Yeah, and I think that this especially, maybe it was like in response to people over normal people, but it didn't feel like part of the story and didn't feel necessary it was like here's all the good things that's happening lately and then like it ended and it like didn't add anything other than clarifying who's in a relationship with who so i feel like authors do that a lot when when you're ending on a tragic note or or like something sad happens in the end it's like oh but it's okay like i'm just kidding it like they ended up together this person died but it's okay now we've healed like i think it feels like an epilogue trope yeah the the epilogue that i love is when it's like a different perspective so like if the book is in first person and then it becomes like a third sort of narrator sort of situation where it's like here are these characters who you've just heard from them and it's like looking down on them i like that a lot and i think that even if that's not a necessary epilogue i like that just because it feels different and separated. But this, I just, like, I don't know. I didn't like it. Can you think of any epilogues that you have liked? The Westing game. That, I mean, that's a mystery. So the epilogue is kind of like the, here's who won the mystery. So, like, that's very necessary. But it also is, like, a jump, like, 20, 30 years in the future. Maybe even more, like, 50 years in the future. And it's, like, that's really satisfying. And it's, like, not totally necessary but it is you're looking at the characters instead of like being in their minds now which is nice 
I need to go back and read the West Wing game because I loved it so it's much. So good at the time when I read it as a kid, but I. You've mentioned it so many times now, and I don't even remember what it's about, barely, except for what you've said. That was the first book I, like, remember enjoying. Like, I read, I definitely read a bunch of books before that, but that was the first one I remember being like, oh, this is a book that, like, I like, and it wasn't just recommended to me. Now we need to, this summer, like, go back and (laughs) listen to all the books we've recommended to each other on the podcast, but never got to. I was thinking of rereading, my friend actually right now in the other room is rereading, or just not rereading, reading The Secret History, because I told her that she had to, so that's very Yeah, exciting. that's like always my go-to book when, because it's, I think that pretty much everyone would like it, and most people haven't heard of it, I think, so it's it's my go-to recommendation, too. Yeah, but I'm glad she's reading it. And, of course, we had to bring up The Secret History one more time before we finished for the (laughs) summer, just like we did on our very first episode. I think it's been in every episode, but one last... (laughs) At least every other episode. (laughs) But one last mention of The Secret History for our last episode. 